Hello, 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 and welcome to the Sexual Happiness Podcast from Love Honey. This is a podcast where you can learn a little bit more about sex and sex toys. My name is Violet, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. As it's the end of season three, we're going to have a look through some of our favourite sex facts of this season. So um, this week, the Olympics are happening over in Tokyo. So my sex fact is about that, the sort of double-barrelled fact. Um, so at the 2016 Rio Olympics, 350,000 condoms and 100,000 female condoms were distributed for athletes, um, ostensibly to, and it's been going on since 1988, ostensibly to promote safe sex and uh, healthy sex. But the suppliers ran out and they had to get more in. <laughs> Um, but this year, um, what with the old COVID and everything, um, there, were, there were free condoms, but only after the games have finished, uh, apparently. Um, but more interesting, I found, was that um, there was a rumour doing around on, on social media um, that the beds that the athletes sleep in were designed to be anti-sex um, because they're made of cardboard. Um, <laughs> uh, and... The rumour went on social media, of course, um, that they would collapse if any strong sudden movements were felt. So it's like the organisers have created these you-can't-have-sex beds. Um, but that myth was debunked by an Irish gymnast who posted a video on social media uh, to debunk the, re- uh, debunk the rumour. And it was just it was him bouncing on his bed, not having sex on his bed, but bouncing up and down his bed, and it, it didn't collapse. So, uh... Sure. So one of my favourite <laughs> sex facts is that people who sleep on their stomachs tend to have more sex dreams. So basically your sleeping position seems to influence whether or not you're likely to have dreams about sex. And what scientists think is going on is that when you're sleeping on your stomach, that you have more pressure that's placed on the genital area and that that gets transferred over into your dream content. Now, interestingly, people who sleep on their stomachs, they don't just dream more about sex. They also dream more about uh, aliens and UFOs, they have more dreams about uh, being tied up. And and so, you know, if you have <laughs> dreams about, uh, you know, aliens kidnapping you and there's some sexual component involved, uh, it might be because you're sleeping on your stomach. So if you want to have less of those dreams, you know, maybe sleep in a different position. And if you want more of those dreams, maybe try sleeping on your stomach more. No way. <laughs> I think I sleep on my side, so I'm somewhere <laughs> in between, I guess. <laughs> and this one sort of... Um... This one sort of spun me a little bit because I kind of knew it, but not in the way that it was phrased. So the sex fact that I recently discovered is that any any male human, their sperm that they can accumulate within two weeks is enough to impregnate every fertile woman on the planet. <laughs> which I which blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind because if you think about it, there are approximately 3.5 billion women females in the world and so to think that one male can impregnate every female on the planet is crazy yeah so that's the in two the weeks in two oh weeks my god you know in, in one ejaculation of, of a male is approximately a million sperms that are ejaculated so I kind of knew that fact of course um but when you when you phrase it in in that term it's like wow oh wow yeah <laughs> it's quite unsettling <laughs> it's insane yeah so I look at men very differently now <laughs> wow yeah, yeah yeah that's a great one thank you Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit although it is something that I've learned more recently um I teach a class on anal health and hygiene and um because I love talking about butt stuff 
<laughs> and in doing the research for that workshop, I actually came across a fact that I hadn't encountered before, which is that the anus, ever heard of it, uh, the <laughs> external opening to the rectum, the asshole, the butthole, the arsehole, uh, uh, for our friends in the UK. Um, <laughs> so the anus has half of the nerve endings in the entire pelvic region. So when you're talking about the pelvic region, you know, for me, I feel like that's like between like my belly button and my knee, because I got a lot of juice down there, you know, but you know, we're, we're, we're talking about basically everything around the actual pelvic bone. So that of course includes the genitals. Um, half of the nerve endings in that region are in the anus itself. And I feel like it's really important because there's so much misinformation, disinformation, and so much fear and so many taboos around so much to do with sexuality and definitely with anal sex, which is often gets associated with queer sex, which is a huge passion of mine personally and professionally, um, that we sometimes forget to talk about the physiology and really ground things in the body and take all the morality out of it and even take our experiences or associations out of it and just say like, Hey, here's a fact. These nerve endings in your body, which are capable of sending messages of, of all different kinds to, to your mind, to your brain, to your mind, to your central nervous system. Um, there's so many of them in the anus and they're interconnected with your pelvic muscles. So that means that not only, stimulation like rimming, stimulation like using a lubed up finger, stimulation like using a toy, stimulation like using uh like using a hand, like using a penis, like using anything else, using a mouth, um, on that area, or even, you know, since this is the kinky episode, we're definitely gonna be talking about things like uh things like spanking and, uh, and things like all different kinds of, um, all different kinds of things that you can do that are, that are, uh, ass related that when you're stimulating that area that you're always going to be stimulating because of those interconnected nerves and muscles, you're always going to be stimulating that butthole and the butthole is, you know, present and a part of your sexuality, um, whether you're aware of it or not because of that concentration of nerve endings. So that's my little, that's my little soapbox moment about, the butt. Um, I have also got a fact to tell you. Um, I This made me laugh so much because for me, this sounds like such a typical bloke thing to do. <laughs> and you'll know what I mean um, when I when I tell you the fact. So um, I don't know if you know the one of the world's most famous um, scientists, Anton van Leeuwenhoek, who is known as the father of microbiology. So he's one of the history's first microbiologists, and he developed a single lens microscope. And being a man and being a curious man that he was, the first thing that he put under that microscope was, you guessed it, his semen. Of course. Of course. Um, which I just love the thought of him being like, oh, I can see really closely with this thing. Um, but it was obviously a very big part of um, science and biology at the time because no one had examined sperm yeah, so course. closely. And generally, people understood that semen was integral to cr the creation of life. But the concept of a single cell organism hadn't been discovered yet. So when he looked into the microscope, he was actually expecting to see tiny little humans. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but obviously he saw semen. He saw like tiny little tadpole creatures, which must have been like a bit of a shock. <laughs> Imagine thinking that you're going to see tiny, tiny little humans, like little Polly Pockets. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like doing the breaststroke round and round a petri dish. <laughs> So I have um, I have one for you in return as well. It's not as not as like exciting. Well, no, it is exciting. I feel like I'm minimizing that, but it's not quite as uh, kink related, I suppose. Well, we'll see. Hang on. So, <laughs> so basically, um, we at Love Honey have been wondering about how the pandemic and all of the lockdowns and things like that have affected people's sex lives and their relationships because. I don't know if you saw this, but I remember um, when we in England first went into like lockdowns, there was all this stuff in the news about how everyone's going to get divorced because they're so sick of each other. And now everyone's going to actually spend time together and realize they they don't really get on. So we wondered, you know, over a year on now, if that is true. So we worked in partnership with the Kinsey Institute and Love Honey's scientific advisor, Dr. Justin Lay Miller, who is a very intelligent, very interesting man. And we carried out a survey in America where we surveyed 2000 American adults, both people who are in relationships and single about their sex lives. And it's good news. It's really good news. We found that Americans coming into a more like post-pandemic world are kinkier, more adventurous, more committed to their relationships. Single people are, um, you know, hungry for love, ready to get back out there, but they are wanting to take things slow and build more serious connections, which I thought was really interesting. And I have some stats for you. don't know if you're a stats fan, but I, I do like a number. So 51% of people surveyed said that their partner meets their sexual ideals more now than ever before. And 51% now feel even more passionate about their partner than they ever have, even from when they first started dating, which I think is really exciting and is a lot more positive than like the doomsday report that we got here about divorce. (laughs) Yeah, I think if like if you made it through and did not get divorced, like you kind of had to be more communicative because otherwise you would have gotten on each other's nerves. I don't know. I, I just feel like if you're like forced it's going to go one way or the other uh, mm. is what I would expect. Although cause I've seen that data too. There was actually, you know, despite my hypothesis, there's plenty of people where it's almost seemed like their relationship was also not affected. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, how, how can you get through COVID and not have live with a partner and not have your relationship affected? I feel like maybe if you're just comfortable before you're comfortable after. And that's, <laughs> that's that on that. Like, I'm like, all right. I did notice that as well. Yeah, because I thought the same as you that, um, you know, I found that in like my own relationship that my partner and I are much closer now than we were before, because again, you you spend more time with someone, you get to know all of these, like much more like deep things about them that you, than you'd know, even from, you know, living together or years of relationship before spending 24 hours a day together for a period of time is a little bit different. And you either see lots of things that you like and make you happy, or you see lots of things that drive you absolutely mental. And I was surprised as well, because it was, it was, I think it was over a third of people said that they just felt exactly the same. Just felt no different. Yeah. (laughs) Which is nice in a way. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) So mine's a bit more historical. Um, So anybody who has a penis or anybody who has a partner that has a penis may have come across cock rings cock rings are great you stick them on your penis and they can enhance 
the uh, size and the strength of your erection and they can even make you last longer in bed. But I always think of them as quite a modern invention, but they have been around for a long ass time. And uh, they were commonly used in the Song era in China. I had to look this up because I wasn't completely sure of my dynasties in China. This is around uh, 1200 BC, a long time ago. Whoa. And they were made from the eyelids of goats. Get out. (laughs) No, I've seen a picture of them. And oh, they're not pretty. They kind of look like, um, you know, when you take your fake eyelashes off after a long night and you just see them like kind of on the floor. They kind of look like that. Because the goat's eyelashes were actually like left on. I cannot even. (laughs) (laughs) So it would give like a little bit of stimulation like around the base of the penis. And and the weirdest thing is you can even still buy them. No. So if you Google natural goat eye cock rings, you can still buy them. They're still on there. We don't sell them at Love Honey. Maybe we're missing (laughs) Then maybe I wouldn't want to work here. It's a niche. Yeah, they're a real niche. (laughs) They're organic. (laughs) Wow, that's deep. My eyes are bulging out of my head. That's amazing. I'm going to share that. Okay, Sarah, do you have a sex fact? I do. I'm slightly worried you you might have already had this, but I, I read it and thought, I bet they've already had that, and then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, so it's it's like a two-parter um, where I found out that uh, it sort of in, in ancient Greek and Roman times, um, th- also this could be a rumour. This feels like it's something someone made. It feels like a horrible rumour that a boy would make up at school. Um, the smear campaign against the ancient Greeks, <laughs> where where apparently the, when men, ancient Greeks and Romans went off to war, they would make their wives or girlfriends or partners make make the 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 people with vulvas, uh, bread dildos, and they had a name that I cannot pronounce. Uh, shall I have a go? Yeah, give it give it a go. Olis Bokolix. Olis Bokolix. Uh, it's a dildo prepared using bread according to wikipedia and i think that is like one part fantastic and another part hideous in so many ways um Mm. because i don't don't know about you i hate crumbs in my bed (laughs) (laughs) Can can you imagine that but i also think that there is something wonderful about if it is true, that is obviously just somebody who has a mutual love of sex and food, which is potentially the most relatable thing in the world. I love it. I'm signing myself up. And I'm thinking, yes, if you left it for too long, you might have problems with it going off. But mm. it's a dildo that gets harder over time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. it has. It's a very, very slow erection process. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that is a new one. No one's ever got that just, one. I don't know whether it's because it, it's actually a fantastic. If you if you were sort of comparing it to modern day sex toys, you could add texture. Mm. It doesn't have to just be a smooth situation. You could put some seeds in it. Maybe some seeds. Lovely, yeah. very nice. <laughs> um, but then, because I sort of got completely fascinated with the idea of sex and bread, I don't know if I was hungry doing this research. <laughs> but I can across- and hungry. Um, yeah, the, the perfect combination. Actually, quite a horror. It's, it's a terrifying combination, isn't it? If you find someone who is both horny and hungry, you think, 
you need something or someone inside you, you find sexually attractive and you want to eat like that's yes terrifying. never happened. sexy gingerbread person <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was gonna say it's never happened to me but uh i don't know it might have happened with a gingerbread person they're, they're quite they're, they're symmetrical most of the time aren't they yeah um but i come across cockle bread um, which is a type of bread. It says it's a type of bread uh, present in England centuries ago. Uh, but however, moulding cockle bread was an erotic dance that could be looked at as a primitive form of twerking. Uh, and according to, <laughs> according to 17th century writer John Aubrey, young wenches, which I, that's his words, not mine, uh, would indulge in this sport by getting up on the table, lifting their coats as high as possible and shaking their buttocks back and forth as if they're kneading the dough with their asses. I think at that stage you'd you'd take your coat off, wouldn't you, (laughs) if you'd gone that far? No, I'm shy. I'm shy. Yes. Oh, I'm not stopping. (laughs) I've just come to do a little cocklebread dance and then I'm off. (laughs) Oh, so there's no actual dough involved. I thought the dough might find its way under the coat. No, well, apparently they are. Yeah, they're. they're I think they are. They're, they're kneading the bread with their bums. I think so. It actually. <laughs> wow. I don't. I, I, do you know what? You've made a very good point as to whether that they've just sort of they've called it that, or whether or not they're actually there actually is dough in the arse. Um, uh, more research needed, I think. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah. If anybody could find out that information and let me know, <laughs> I said that like I won't be doing that research because I'm not searching. <laughs> <laughs> dough in the ass on Google. Not again. Not again. Not again. No. <laughs> I've been burned before. But I think I I love it. I think that's great. I think it's fantastic. That is great. Each to their own. You've got to you go you gotta find your kick somewhere. And I love bread. So I um was reading apparently okay, so apparently the couples in the world who have the most sex live in Greece. Who knew? People in Greece are going for it. And they have it approximately 164 times per year. So that's the most. And then Brazil follows a close second with 145 times per year. I mean, it's all the sexy people having all the sexy sex. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. And then the global average, though, is 103 times a year, which I think is interesting because that's fewer than, like, that's less than a third of the days in the year people are having sex or like time like you know that's like it's less than I I think we are often told people are having a lot more sex than they are and um and it's like kind of like a relief to be like okay I think you're right though because I think that a lot of couples go oh I don't really know if we're having enough sex like especially when you live together and you're in a longer term relationship you're like how much is normal and yeah you know if you say to your friends you know how much are you guys banging and generally your friends are likely to over exaggerate a little bit maybe unless they're having a little rant um yeah it's it's this that's a surprise but also I think even if if they don't even if someone says like oh like once a week I think we we're sort of trained to react like oh my god is that all and as opposed to like Um, yep that's normal yep I love that that like you said it's it's cool that it's like the kind of like hot countries that are doing that as well do you reckon that's just because you know it's like it's hot everyone's walking around with their shirts off or in their little bikinis 
And everyone's like, mm-hmm. I think it's because Brazilians are Brazilian. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. If I looked Brazilian and was Brazilian and was speaking Portuguese to another Brazilian person, I'd be like, well, it's time to have sex now too. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm a pasty Irish lady who predominantly speaks somewhat poor English to other well, unfortunately, to English people. So, you know, I've never sat around thinking, my God, this is all too much. I'll be overcome if I don't. So I think it's just because Brazilians get to be in Brazil. It does make sense. That's a great fact. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for everybody who has been listening and make sure you keep your eyes peeled for upcoming episodes. And of course, season four. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.